Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. Well, I am really excited to introduce our speaker today um, because he has honestly changed my life. Father Michael Sparrow is a Jesuit priest who was my spiritual director for five years while we lived in Chicago and still today via Zoom. He earned his master's from the Yale School of Drama, so I immediately connected with him as like an artist and creator, but deeper as a spiritual director from the deep well of his Jesuit tradition. He taught me so much about the way of Christ, especially a more embodied spirituality. So I'm really excited today for our Good Shepherd community to have a Father Michael experience. But first, today's gospel text. And to help us prepare, let me share my favorite Father Michael quote, which is, when you pray, say to God with your body what you're saying with your heart and with your mind. You know, we, we don't engage God just in our brains, but in our full selves. And so maybe in this moment, we could just say, as we prepare to listen to God speak through this text, let us embody a posture of openness. So in this moment, would you place both feet on the floor? Would you sit up in your chair just a little bit? Would you open your hands in a way that can receive? And would you just take two deep breaths with me? A reading from the Gospel according to John. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the gospel of the Lord. 
What does love look like? What colors would you use to paint a portrait of love? Perhaps when we think of Jesus loving us, we think of gentle pastels of the Good Shepherd or the beautifully comforting words of Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome, and I will refresh you. Or perhaps we think of Jesus speaking on the Beatitudes, speaking about the Beatitudes, or multiplying the loaves and fishes. Or perhaps we think of Jesus sitting back and enjoying a delicious meal at the home of Martha and Mary. Or perhaps it's the darker colors of love, of Jesus weeping at the death of his friend Lazarus, or weeping over the impending destruction of Jerusalem. These are all different colors of love. But today's gospel, the cleansing of the temple, are these colors of love as well? Let me suggest they are. Jesus' portrait must be painted with a full color palette. Today in the gospel, this isn't gentle Jesus. This is Jesus with fire in his eyes. This is not Jesus holding a lamb. This is Jesus with a whip in his hands. This is not Jesus with a gentle invitation. This is Jesus with a prophetic challenge. What's the big deal? Why is Jesus so upset? Let me explain. John records in his gospel that this is the feast of the Passover. And we know from Jewish records that well over a million Jews would stream into the temple area into the city of Jerusalem at Passover time. Well over a million people. And Jesus and his disciples go up to the temple. Now, it was common throughout the country to use all kinds of different coins. Greco coins, Roman coins, Jewish coins, coins from other countries. But if you went into the temple, you had to pay the temple fee, the temple tax, and that had to be paid with a Jewish coin, with a shekel. And so there were money changers in the outer court, what was known as the court of the Gentiles, who would sit there and happily exchange your change for a fee. The problem was they charged, they charged exorbitant rates. They were fleecing the people, especially the poor. This was well known and haggling would be common. Issue number two, is many of the pious Jews would come to the temple and they would want to sacrifice an animal. If they were poor, it would be a dove or some pigeons. If they could afford it, it would be a spotless lamb or perhaps an oxen or a calf. Now, there were two ways of getting those. You could buy it outside the temple area or you could buy it inside the temple area. Buy it outside the temple area or bring your own, half price. You buy it inside the temple, inflated temple prices. Now, would it surprise you if I told you that the priests who inspected invariably would find some blemish or flaw in the animal if it was bought outside the temple area? Nothing unclean could be worshipped to the Lord. Only a spotless animal could be offered. But if it was bought inside the temple area, ah, 
Oh, perfect, a perfect unblemished, unblemished lamb, unblemished pigeon, whatever it was. Of course, this was a way of lining the pockets of the priests and all of the administrators of the temple. Problem number three, noise pollution. There would be constant haggling over the money exchange with the money changers, and the animals who were in their cages or tied up wouldn't be quiet. The pigeons would be cooing, and the lambs would be mewing, and the oxen would be doing whatever they do. And so the result was there was this holy, unholy cacophony going on in the temple area. For these reasons and more, Jesus' love for God's house, for God's people, for holy worship blazed out in this symbolic action. Get those animals out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He had simply no patience for the priests lining their pockets and those who were complicit with them, especially on the backs of the poor. His disciples would recall the words of scripture, Psalm 69.9, zeal for my house will consume me. These were words that were attributed to the Messiah. These words were not, this action was not lost on Jesus' disciples who would see it as a messianic action, nor was it lost on the temple authorities. By what authority do you do these things? Jesus answers in typically enigmatic language. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, the temple leaders took it at face value. This temple has been in under construction for 46 years. It's still being built and you're going to raise it up in three days. Give me a break. Only later, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, would his disciples be able to understand what he was saying. That he was talking not about the outer temple, but the inner temple of his body. But of course, all of that was lost at the time. Jesus knew what his actions would cost him. He wasn't naive. He wasn't walking into this thinking nothing would happen, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was addressing injustice in symbolic terms. Well, what's our reaction to injustice within our own church community, within our own cities, within our own nation, within our own world? Do we simply turn a blind eye and pretend it isn't there? Or do we get numbed into accepting it and saying, yeah, it's not right, but what can I do? What can I do? How can I change it? If we just look at what's going on in our country and our world right now, can we turn a blind eye to the racial inequality that has been so exposed in the last few years? Can we simply pretend that the police are always acting in our best interest? Can we remain silent when the rights of the unborn are trampled? When the rights of the elderly are being eroded? 
when the rights of the LGBTQ community are not even recognized? Can we turn a blind eye to what's happening in the climate on our world? Can we pretend that we don't see what is happening in our borders with those who come seeking some part of the American dream or or, or running from terrible injustice within their own societies? Can we turn a blind eye to the abuse that is within our own church communities or within our own offices? Brothers and sisters, the call of the gospel challenges us to call out injustice. Inaction is no virtue. But for many of us, being a good Christian means being a nice guy or a polite young person. Jesus isn't a nice guy. Jesus doesn't play by the rules. Jesus calls out injustice. Recall his words in the book of Revelation. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm and I will spit you out of my mouth. This is Jesus painting the colors of love in bright, vivid, challenging colors. It's a dramatic action to be sure. What what comes to mind is the action of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He would say, in the face of injustice, we need to provoke a reaction through nonviolence. His nonviolent protests were designed to provoke a reaction to expose the systemic racism within our country. And I suggest that that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. The Jews had been used to this is the way that it happens. Okay, we just have to get used to it. Jesus said, I don't have to get used to it. But Jesus' action today in this gospel is a moment in time. It's one of the colors. It's not the whole color of the gospel. This dramatic action, to be sure, made a significant impact on Jesus' followers. It's recorded in all four of the Gospels. But the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, place it at the end of Jesus' ministry. John places it at the beginning, chapter 2. The synoptics use this instance to point to one of the reasons why Jesus was so dangerous and needed to be executed. But for John... This cleansing action is symbolic of what Jesus' entire ministry is about, of cleansing the temple, the outer temple and the inner temple of our souls. Now here's what I want to call your attention to. This is John chapter 2, and chapter 2 begins with the wedding feast of Cana. Did you ever put together the fact that Jesus goes from Cana hangs out with his disciples in Capernaum for a while and then goes right up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover and that's where this cleansing of the temple takes place. In one moment, Jesus is feasting and partying and celebrating a good time and the next time he's raging against the injustice. And then he goes on and he meets right after that in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus by night. Nicodemus, who's a member of the Pharisee party, the Pharisees, who Jesus is constantly clashing clashing with throughout the, the scriptures, and yet Jesus is not afraid to sit down, 
skip a good night's sleep and meet with him at nighttime because Nicodemus was afraid to be seen with him during the day. Look at these three actions as the colors of love. The wedding feast at Cana, Jesus celebrating with great joy, cleansing the temple with righteous anger, and sitting down in a holy dialogue and speaking in symbolic, poetic, enigmatic language about being born again. My point is this. Jesus doesn't react. He responds to what life brings him. When there's no wine at the feast, Jesus rises to the occasion. When there's blatant injustice that everybody had been, got, been, been used to, Jesus responds. And when there's an invitation to come and dialogue, Jesus responds. I don't know about you, but for me, I have color, I have difficulty with all of these colors of love, with changing gears. When I'm partying, I want to party. I don't, I don't want to be worrying about injustice. And when I'm angry, I want to be angry. And sometimes it's so hard to let go of that anger. I can be stewing over something for weeks. Or if I'm sitting down with someone that I don't like, I just want to blow him off. I don't want to open my heart in dialogue because he's not thinking like I think. His values aren't my values. It's not Jesus' way of painting a portrait of love. Let me close by sharing with you a poem I wrote in response to reflecting on these gospel scenes. The colors of love. Jesus, I fear raising my voice against injustice, fearing other voices will rise against me, so I sin in silent complicity. When is my anger holy and righteous, and when just venting my spleen? I carry no messianic credential, no dual nature for one only human. Silence my fears, loosen my tongue, unleash my tears, move me, motivate me to move in the kinetic kairos of the spirit. Teach me your courage, your passion, your conviction, May I never seek a stagnant peace, nor get stuck in abiding anger. Dare me <laughs> to dance at the feast and to rage at injustice within our temples, to sit in peace with those who seek you, to sit in peace with those who seek you, Set my heart ablaze with your many, many colors of love. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. 
Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.